Welcome to the Cambridge Tech Podcast, talking all things technology from the heart of the UK's tech capital. Here are your hosts, Faye Holland and James Parton. Hi, I'm James. And I'm Faye. One of the things I love about Cambridge is how diverse it is. All tech, all ages, all inclusive. And today's session has really showcased that. It's our first special edition of Cambridge Tech Podcast. The Homerton Changemakers Programme is one of the many examples of how the university and its colleges are encouraging entrepreneurship. And I'm really looking forward to meeting more up and coming entrepreneurs on the podcast over the coming months. So let's start with an intro to the programme from Dr. Alison Wood. So Alison, thanks for joining us. Uh, I bet it's been an amazing day for you. Why don't you start by telling us about the programme, the, the origin of the idea and how long it's been running for? I shall do. This uh, seed funds initiative is part of Homerton Changemakers, which is an initiative started by college four years ago, and we've been teaching for three. And it was birthed of the idea that Cambridge offers an extraordinary degree experience for students. There are things, though, that that degree doesn't make so visible or give space and opportunity to explore. So Changemakers is Cambridge Plus. Right. What do you do with your degree? How are you going to make a difference in the world? And, and what are you really about? So through a structured series of workshops and residentials, mentoring schemes, and this seed fund, we help students both expand their vision and develop really gritty tools for making a difference in the complexities of our time. Right. Okay. So it's, it's much more than just a single day program. It's much more. It's a dip in and out kind of program. Right. Any Homerton student is uh, eligible to be part of this. Uh, there are 1,200 students at college. We have visions to expand this uh, across Cambridge University because Homerton believes that this is part of the future of education. We have to educate for the times we're in, which are complex and uncertain. There are all kinds of unprecedented challenges that students need to be ready for. Mm. So Changemakers exists as a co-curricular piece alongside a degree experience. And students are able to dip into any element they wish, including the seed fund program, mentoring schemes, as I mentioned, mm. quite long-term residentials over six days, mini workshops. Uh, and there are a range of things for them to develop their skill sets, their networks, but more importantly, I think their understanding of themselves. Okay. So so over those four years, how many students have been through the program? And I'm sure there's many stories and, and, and teams that have stood out, but you know, any any that spring to mind? Well, I'll give you some numbers. We've been teaching for three years and our first sessions began just before the pandemic. So like most of the world, we had to pivot to an online universe pretty quickly. Mm. So in those three years, we've reached over 1,100 students. And there have been over 1,400 distinct student encounters, which means a student has come to an event or an initiative that we've arranged. We've calculated we've taught over 15,000 student hours now. Wow. And there's a network of over 200 people from not only Cambridge but beyond who give their time freely, um, world-class folk who give their time to mentor students, teach sessions, champion the program. Wow. So we've gone from a two-page document to this living, breathing, animating aspect very, very quickly. So, so it's been a really inspiring and inspirational day. Can you just talk us through the format for today and the, and the teams that are participating? The people that we've seen present today are the winners of the inaugural Changemaker Seed Fund. 
Right. They've had a three-month intense mentoring period and a little bit of cash to develop a proposal into either a prototype or to refine its remit. And today they've pitched that idea to members of the Cambridge Tech ecosystem, uh, college fellows and their peers. From this, uh, the Ivan Baines Prize has been established by Rupert Baines in memory of his son, and one of these teams will be given the chance to be mentored by Rupert for six months and have a small cash injection into their project to develop it to the next stage. And this will be going on for the next three years. So the Seed Fund is an annual initiative, just one of the many elements we offer as part of the Changemakers programme. In the session in your introduction earlier on, you had a challenge to the audience, and I'm going to quote you. You said, um, not to be content with where things are, create things that are earthworthy and people-centric. So with that as a backdrop and the introduction to the programme, what do you think our listeners should expect to hear from the five companies that we're about to talk to? I love that quote. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me what I said. <laughs> I think the expectation, perhaps, is that you're going to hear from people who are deeply aware of the particular moment we're in as a species and as a series of ecosystems. And so their initiatives have that in mind, that they want to tread lightly on the earth and they want to build something that benefits not only people, but also complex earth systems. That might not be direct, although in some cases it will be, but there's an awareness that we need to shift how we understand a successful business a little so that we have a chance of sustaining human communities and human survival. And leading into the mentors, how important are they to you? The mentors are an extraordinarily generous and insightful group of people. Changemaker is always about combining big passion and big vision with very pragmatic know-how. And that's been driving our program from the beginning. And the mentors are a profoundly important part of that process. They bring gritty experience, they bring successes and failures, and they bring a lot of lessons learned as well as compassion for people who are at the start of their journey on this. So we value their experience highly. And it's a crucial part of this ecosystem that we're building around sustainable, transformative change making. And what do you feel about the people that we're going to hear from? I feel an enormous amount of optimism. Uh, about the reasons they're pursuing the projects they are and for the work they've already done in the three months of their seed funds period, refining those projects and understanding the relationship between a large vision and the practicalities of getting something done. I also feel that numbers of them are very aware of how business processes work and they're wanting to challenge some of those processes in the interests of building more transformative, regenerative initiatives. That to me is tremendously exciting because it's taking what we want to be the new normal and it's connecting it to what is our new normal and finding a transition that many people can get on board with and many people can get excited about. And there's also a sense that this is not only about any initiative, it's about gently and persistently changing systems in which those initiatives work. The reason we're here is because of our relationship with Cambridge stalwart Soraya Jones, who is now the programme lead for Homerton Changemakers. So hi, Soraya. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Faye. Hi, James. Hi, Soraya. Good to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So we've just had a really great day um, at Homerton Changemakers. Uh, how did you get involved in it? Well, I was at a stage in my life where I was looking to do something I'm really passionate about. 
I mean, you both know me, I'm passionate about innovation, about diversity, and one of my other passion is helping the next generation to make an impact, um, helping them to do good things in the world. So when I heard about the Homerton Changemakers Programme, I thought that sounds like the ideal thing for me to do. I've never regretted it. The overall purpose of Homerton Changemakers is that we all know a Cambridge degree is not enough now. Any degree is not enough. You got to prepare the next generation of future leaders to face the challenges of the 21st century, to help them become more resilient, to help them to uh, think creatively about solving problems. And most importantly, it's about how they learn about the reflection about themselves, to equip them with tools to collaborate, but also to think of how to create an impact in the world they live in. We hope that when they go out and they graduate, they might actually end up doing great things in the world, in their workplace, that they're not just a Cambridge graduate. Yeah, I mean, it certainly feels that this is where your passion is. You know, that that definitely came across um, throughout the day. I want to pick up on passion a little bit if I can. So the, the whole objective of the programme is really to do something with that, that you're passionate about that will create societal, individual, global impact, whichever way you want to look at it. Yep. This is Cambridge Tech Podcast. So my question to you is, how do you balance doing things that create impact that also will utilise technology? Well, the thing is, we always start with the impact. What is it that you want to do in terms of climate change, in terms of social justice, in terms of increasing diversity? All these things are great, good things. But being a believer of technology, having spent many years in Cambridge Wireless, you know me, yeah. you know, I know that technology can help to to enhance that impact. It can actually be used to deliver uh, the operations more efficiently. So we start with the impact. Unlike other entrepreneurial courses in the university, we don't start with the technology. We start with the impact and then see how can machine learning help you to, uh, to deliver this program? How can AI help you to understand the data science of all these refugee children that you are dealing with? So that's how I see technology as more of a tool. So Sarai, it's been a, such an inspirational and kind of humbling day. The people listening to this, they're, they're obviously all going to be working in technology. They can bring huge amounts of value to the program for next year. How do they get involved? What are you looking for? Well, we're going to launch the second round of the programs, Changemakers Sit Fund next year. And we're always looking for industry mentors because industry mentors who have the tech background, because our students could just be historians wanting to do a great project, but they don't have the technology background. So if you have a great technology background and you want to spend time helping the next generation of future leaders do good in the world, then please contact me. We're always looking for industry mentors. There's an email address on the website. So yes, I welcome all help and support. So far, the mentors were from the tech industry, as you know, working in partnership with Cambridge Wireless. Thank you to them. And they've been brilliant in trying to encourage their mentees, the seed fund winners, in trying to see it from a technology angle. So you've heard all about the programme. Now let's hear from the teams. First up, we have Abiel Ma from Voila. Hi, I really enjoyed your presentation. 
as a comms person, I think you absolutely nailed some of the the language behind what you you do. Um, for example, you talked about creating a technology stomach and turning waste into liquid gold. Um, so so absolutely loved it. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what it is that you're you're trying to do? Sure. So we've developed a system, a biomechanical system, which basically consists of a pre-treatment unit, bin lifter, um, odor control unit, and also a storage storage tank. So basically what it does is it automatically liquefies and separate food waste from other ways. And then we turn the liquid into a raw material for biogas and animal feed production. And we save 95% of labor and logistics and 75% of CO2 emission. As Faye said, I mean, your pitch was very polished, you know, very impressive. And you, I think, were alone in referencing being a unicorn. I think your phrase was, think like a unicorn, plan like a unicorn, grow like a unicorn. So you're obviously thinking big. Um, tell us how what your plan is. You know, how, how, how do you see this panning out? Yeah, sure. So um, we're raising our pre at the moment, mm -hmm. 500k. And we would like to use that to build two pilot sites, two key hires, uh, a pet tenant in R&D, for that R&D, a smaller version. That will allow us to have 18-month runway. Mm -hmm. But then we're also planning for a seed, which allows a 24-month and then a Series A and seven years in terms of IPO so or management bio. So we're aiming to be like Patagonia. So being a unicorn and then to donate or divert every single bit of profit to solve the world's problem. So that's what we aim to do. But before that, we need to be a unicorn first. Right. <laughs> yeah. Make the money to give the money away. You had a really good video as well that you showed um, within the presentation that demonstrated what you do. And I think you also had one of the investors who immediately started asking you questions, which is really good. Where can people go and find more out about what, what you're doing? Where can they find that video and where can they find more details? Visit LinkedIn. Um, my name is Abiel Ma, A-B-I-E-L-M-A. Look me up, send me a message, and I'll be more than happy to introduce the video or either anything. Now joining us is Mikey and Gonzalo from UniArc. Um, welcome, and will you tell us a little bit about what you're working on? Yeah, so we're from UniArc. Uh, UniArc is a registered charity that uh, Najib and Gonzalo and uh, Shukriya, who's actually in Oxford and not joining us today, founded last year. So uh, we just had our one-year anniversary Congratulations. So our mission is to uh, support students from communities who are discriminated against or underprivileged to access higher education. So we do this through uh, helping them uh, with their college applications, either through mentoring. So we have a big network of mentors, um, but also accessing funding. So getting into scholarships, uh, trying to fundraise for them, things like that. And can you give us an example as well of some of the people that you have helped? Yes. So we have helped uh, several people, um, both within the UK and outside of the UK. I guess the most striking stories are from uh, students from the Middle East. I myself was mentoring one of the success stories we've had so far, and uh, she, was, uh, she had incredible essays about her life struggles, her passions. I remember thinking to myself, when I was applying to universities and the essays I had to write, they were nothing compared to what she had to write. So it was, even uh, for the mentor, it's quite an emotional experience. And the fact that in the end she succeeded, it was a great pleasure for all of us. And we hope to be able to help more students from across the world 
and learn from this uh, successful experiment for now. That's great. So it sounds that it's quite labor intensive. You know, this is, it's very personal. It's about people. It's about people in, you know, distressed situations, for example. Um, it, do you think technology has a role in what you're doing to either help you operationally or help to actually execute the program? Yeah, I think it definitely does. So um, in order to actually make our work sustainable, and uh, establish ourselves. I think one of the next steps for us is to actually streamline the way that we work, automizing some of the things that we've been doing manually so far. We need to, you know, start categorizing applications into how labor intensive they are. We need to um, maybe automate the assignment of mentor to student based on their expertise and the things that they, they're interested in. All of that is obviously something that in, in today's day and age can be done with the help of technology. And communications is the other big aspect where, where I think technology can really help us. So due to the nature of our work, we try to connect people across the globe. As you heard during Evelyn's pitch earlier, there, there are moments where there is communication between 40 individuals around the globe all sort of up during the night, uh, hoping that someone will get on a flight from a, an area that's in crisis. And obviously, social media and communication comes in there. And it needs to be safe because sometimes uh, there is a high, it's, it's a high risk, high stakes operation in a sense. So if we have platforms that are a safe space for people to actually, you know, use names, use sensitive information on people, exchange password details, these kinds of things. So I think technology is super important. Yeah. We are fully comprised of volunteers. So the charity is as much about supporting students in need as is about keeping this, a strong group of volunteers motivated to work towards this goal. So technology uh, will have a massive impact for us if we can make it as easy as possible for these volunteers to take away some amount of their time from their busy lives to help very, in a very directed way the student without them having to do the groundwork every single time. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So to go back on the point you made about risk, I mean, uh, you're clearly going to be able to help people in lots of different situations. And I guess there's a, a spectrum of levels of risk in their individual circumstances. I guess towards the more extreme end of that scale, where you've got very oppressive situations, how are you considering things like maybe a lack of access to open internet or, you know, blocking certain technologies that might be required to enable this communication to happen? I think that is a, a huge challenge, obviously. Uh, I mean, lots of social media platforms that we use on our day to day without even thinking about it are not even accessible in, in some countries that the students are from. So at the same time as being a facilitator, it can also be an, an obstacle, obviously. Yeah. So there has been, you know, communication via things like emails, which now seems almost outdated, but uh, it is crucial in the end. So I think that's a, that's a major challenge. It's exactly at this point that uh, it is so powerful that we have such a diverse group of volunteers because our team is comprised of people who sometimes came from such situations themselves. Mm. And... Uh, there is, in a sense, that direct channel of communication within these communities from those who made it to this side and those who are still there. Mm. We have been relying on that so far and, uh, because, as you say, sometimes it's hard to communicate directly with people otherwise. Um, so I think one of our ma main strengths that we have to keep focusing on is 
getting this diverse group of volunteers so that we have these direct channels. I mm. think that's an advantage that we have. So the audience of the podcast is predominantly tech people. You know, in terms of your development of software or, or technology communication solutions, whereabouts are you? And, and for people listening, what help do you need? You know, how can people get involved and help you guys out? Well, if I, if I were to compare it to sort of the, the history of the world, I think we're in the Stone Age currently. <laughs> um, we are using open open access software for, for communication between the members. Uh, we do use things like Google Drive to share resources, obviously. Uh -huh. But as we're scaling up and in order to sort of make this more established and sustainable, we I think we will need other and better software. Um, which I think none of us are exactly aware of what's on the market. So uh, because none of us have actual experience in the in the industry and uh, entrepreneurship. So mm. I think there's a lot of research needed on our side into mm. what's available, either free of charge or for, you know, reasonable prices. <laughs> for whoever is listening, one thing that seems like would be very useful for us would be something like kind of a virtual application portal in which... Students can upload their essays, they can be assigned automatically to mentors, all the information is in one place, it's uh, user-friendly, easy to access the history of the documents, because at the moment it's very hard to keep track of everything if we're exchanging things through email or through Slack even or whatever. Mm. And this goes back to my previous point, we need to make it easy both for the students and the volunteers, because it's really in the combination that we can uh, yeah. make the thing happen. I think that's to James's point. There's there's a lot of people that can help in and around Cambridge and the you know extended community. And I can already think of certain apps and tools out there that could help you. So so fingers crossed, you'll get a few people approaching you after this. Hi, Colleen. Tell us a little bit about the Fulcher Centre. Yeah, I would love to. So the Fulcher Center is a center in Athens, Greece. We just opened July 20th and we offer individualized learning as well as mental health and psychosocial support opportunities. Actually, Fulcher means welcome in Irish, which is why we chose that as our name. Most of the people that do come to our center have a refugee background. So do you want to tell us a little bit more about what you use the seed funding for? Yes, so we actually just opened our doors and the seed funding actually went to helping us make all the furniture. We took a sustainable approach by uh, making all the furniture that's inside as well as repurposing a lot of items as well, buying supplies for children, art supplies, etc. Uh, so the seed fund was instrumental in that. And can, can you tell us, Colleen, a little bit about the relationship that you, you have with Bethany? Yeah, so uh, we actually met two years ago. We both worked in Ritsona Refugee Camp. Uh, we worked for an NGO there uh, supporting the psychosocial well-being of refugees in the camp. So, Bethany, you've come up with this concept of uh, WellMinder, uh, a platform. The kind of genesis of that idea came from the friendship that you built at, in the camp. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. So we worked in the camp together. And then um, when Claire and Colleen were setting up the Fulcher Centre, they asked me to kind of take the lead on the children's area um, and in my kind of first few weeks taking the lead on that I brought together I guess what I knew already about technology in like my consulting background um, plus my research that I've been doing in Cambridge into trauma-informed approaches to teaching um, and we were playing a game of Uno with some of the kids and 
the emotional reaction that one of the kids had kind of really just sparked this idea of how can we collect this data and link it to the people who know the sorts of early interventions that sh that could be used to make so much difference in this type of context. And that can be in an NGO setting, working with um, like people like me who have a background and understand trauma and um, I kind of have training in that area, mm. but potentially in future, it can also be kind of every parent, it could be every everyone working with children, get this kind of compassion-led focus, building momentum, really. So the potential for a multifaceted solution, essentially. That's the idea, yeah. It's still a fairly new idea, though, I understand. Very much so, yeah. Um, I kind of, I knew there was something here, but I didn't want to rush too much to jumping to a tech solution before yeah. I'd fully understood everything. Um, so it was about three weeks ago that the kind of aha moment happened, and I was like, there is definitely something here, and it's starting to take shape in my head. So... Yeah, it's very new and um, help would be hugely appreciated from anybody who kind of has potentially any background in this, but you don't even need any background in this. I would love to hear from the kind of machine learning, AI type data scientists, because I love the potentialities of this stuff, but it's it's not my not my area of expertise. Well, I'm sure we've got those kinds of people listening to the podcast. Where, where can they find more about the, the project? I think LinkedIn is probably the, the easiest way. Great stories, both of you, and best of luck with everything you're trying to do. Next up, we have Ben Grasby, who today is representing Strive. So one of the things, no matter where you are in Cambridge, um, recruitment is always a key challenge. Um, Strive is a recruitment technology that aims to upend the process of recruiting graduates. So Ben, welcome. And the first question is, what was the impetus behind the creation of this new venture for you? Well, firstly, thank you for having me. A few of our students have gone through a recruitment cycle um, or potentially even more and we've come away with the same kind of feeling that things need to be changed and a lot of my friends will have fired off 50 60 applications and never even heard back from half of those applications and we just thought it's really time intensive and exhaustive for us as a student but then thinking on the employer side it's very time intensive and exhaustive for them as well and they've got to filter through so many applications and so some students in Homerton have decided, let's see, can we change that process? And we want to try and expedite and democratise the process. Because so often, many of the employers we've spoken to have said, well, we have to implement these thresholds to try and narrow down just the sheer volume of applications that we're receiving. And so they would filter that based on university kind of reputation or prestige or the type of degree a student's doing. And they're not seeing the soft skills and the soft side of students. And I guess it's trying to quantify those soft skills and uh, help democratise recruiting. Can you give some examples of some of the challenges that students face as to why this is important? Sure. So there are 2.8 million students in the United Kingdom at the moment, and each one is different in their own way. And trying to box students in on applications is just it's redundant on all sides. And so trying to quantify those softer skills which just get left out of applications such as leadership or creativity or teamwork management, you know, these are really core facets of an application. And so trying to give them light to employers and show what a student is truly capable of and what their background is um, and just try and quantify a bit more rather than just kind of a name and a university and a degree. 
just provides that more holistic understanding of where a student is coming from and, and what value they can bring to a firm. So where, where is the product right now? Is it prototype? Is it close to being ready? Yeah, so we've, um, we've spoken to employers, university, career services and students all over the summer. And I think we've got feedback from about 100 to 150 people. And every single person we've spoken to has kind of said there needs to be some sort of change. And so we're trying to refine our vision. We are launching a website. We've built a prospectus, which we've been emailing around to different people. So if anyone's interested, uh, we can get in touch on that front and hopefully looking to have a soft launch or a pilot program by the end of the year. And I believe, Ben, that you've already got a kind of team in place to work on this. So talk to us about how you pulled that that group of people together and what kind of skills you've got in the team. Yes, yeah, so I'm very fortunate. We've got a team of four of us, three in Homerton, and I think we all bring different skills to the table. I try and do a bit more of the business development side. And we have Jacob, who's on the techie end and looking at the software and the user interface for the website. We are going to launch very soon and he's building a bit of the algorithm and he's very ably supported by Rob, who's doing physics at King's University. And so having that cross-university consensus has also been really useful because this isn't just a Cambridge problem that we're trying to address. It's university-wide, you know, all across the UK. And then I can't forget to mention Liz, who's been really strong with supporting on the marketing front as well. Fantastic. Well, I hope that goes really well for you. Brilliant. Thank you very much. The final initial fund winner was Rosina Dorelli who presented her vision on the biophilic education movement. So, Rosina, can you explain what that is? Yes, we are encouraging a global movement in biophilic education, biophilia being the passionate love of life and all that's alive. And in terms of biophilic design, which is something that's happening right now in cities around the world, um, it's about building places where human beings thrive. And we thought that sounds like a really good concept <laughs> for an education movement because we really need change. And there is a global change beginning to happen in education because we're coming to a lot of crunch points and there's a sort of a storm brewing in education in various departments. And I think that's probably happening in the whole of society, in fact, with climate change and technology there's a kind of mental health crisis too that's going on and the separation um, and siloing people with social media. So for the listeners that obviously that didn't have an opportunity to see your presentation, you, you talked about five project pathways. Maybe you could just give us a quick rundown of what those are and then we can maybe move on and talk about the potential for tech to aid that goal of you know, building awareness and, and driving this kind of agenda through. Yeah, great. Well, we've designed uh, a new curriculum and assessment model. It's called the Da Vinci Life Skills Curriculum. And Da Vinci basically was a polymath. <laughs> he was an incredible entrepreneur and he was allowed free range in, in science and the arts. And so this is what we're trying to do is build the whole of the national curriculum as it exists now, we've coded every single learning objective from every single subject and we've actually embedded those codes into five transdisciplinary contextual project pathways. All of them embed academic skills like, like the normal curriculum, but they also have practical skills, but also social emotional skills and how we manage ourselves and then creative thinking skills too. So the five 
pathways we have food which is really looking at world food production um, it covers all the sciences and humanities and lots of different parts of the curriculum mm. but because we're looking at the nutrition that we need for our body how we grow food how we cook food and how we serve food the social and environmental impacts of growing food in different environments yeah. And then uh, our enterprise is about building your own company, essentially. So it's got coding, robotics, engineering, and we're also doing product design, industrial design. That's really where the apprenticeships lie and that kind of vision of like working with local companies and local councils. And then we have production, which is events management. So that pathway, you learn the core skill and the theory, you make the thing and then you put on the event. So that might be an art exhibition, a science exhibition, a book launch. The fourth one is games, multiverse games. That's RPGs, roleplay games. And it's looking also at the gaming world and all of that sort of content creation. But we work in teams. It's about strategizing. It's about character creation. We go into historical settings. So we're learning history at the core of it. Like, who would I be in ancient Greece? Mm. And our final project is personal exploration. We have a PEP project, which the students come up with their own ideas. What are they interested in? It's their passion project. Mm. And we support them to build a really robust project out of what they're really interested in. So we're a tech podcast. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm naturally obligated to ask you a tech question. <laughs> I mean, I, I'd be fascinated to get your take on, well, A, how tech can enable you to bring this vision to life but also uh, the honesty of tech is probably part of the problem and is causing a lot of the issues right now in society so you know two-part question but what's your take on that yeah i think well what we're really trying to do is embrace tech because mm. actually i think the potential of tech is really exciting but what second we notice there's a problem like plastic we're like okay we need to do something about this how can we change this and it's that awareness that we need to build into the curriculum is right technology is amazing how can we use it as a tool there's so much about social media that is amazing mm. how can we we just monitor it i think it's about really teaching the proper use of tech so in, in terms of our vision, it's really about being able to scale up, isn't it? To be able to produce a curriculum that's going out globally, to, to have teacher training model that's going out globally, that's going to require tech solutions. Mm. Also assessment. If assessment can change to micro-credentials mm. and you end up with a, an online portfolio yeah. of your work, more like the music exam system, <laughs> no one's demanding, why don't you have grade nine in trumpet? You know, it's like, fine, I've got, I've got grade two in trumpet and I've got grade four in piano. What if you could do that with a whole load of different skills? How easy it would be everyone to do their math GCSE online if you fail it? Oh, I can do it sit again two months time. Mm. Why is it so high stakes? Why is it just the one chance? Yeah, I mean, it goes back to not one size fits all. And you talked about that and showed the pictures of, you know, rows and rows of tables and classrooms. And it's like that isn't as an employer that's not what you want from your employees. You know, when you're looking at recruitment, you're looking at those soft skills, the creative skills and the pathways you've just explained that, you know, they are really exciting as an employer to see, actually, they've got really transferable skills. So obviously we, we're going to wish you all the best luck with getting this done, but what do you need? You know, this it's such a great idea. What do you need to actually make this happen? What's going to actually make the change? for the education system? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> we need, 
universities to get behind this, I think, is the big key. And employers. So what do we need? We need funding. (laughs) And right now we're trying to build a hub in Cambridge. So we need property in in Cambridge because we'd like to build a small school for next year. And we want to have a teacher training centre here in Cambridge. Currently, we're running it fully in a school in Bali, in Indonesia, and we're beginning to now work with different schools globally. So we've got a school in, in Bermuda and one in New York, and there's, there's schools around that we're now starting to implement this with. And we really need to build a robust team of people. So it's one, getting funding to help that research and development, but also to fund that team of people because I can't do it alone. When you can pull people together, so the whole ecosystem, you know, this is tech, but actually the the ecosystem around Cambridge, they're very invested on supporting the future generations of the workforce. You know, there's organisations like Cambridge Launchpad out there that are very focused on giving that more holistic approach to education. So so hopefully you'll get a few people that come knocking on your door and how can they reach you? Our website is Vinci lifeskills.com and I'm on LinkedIn, Rosina Dorelli. Uh, it's probably the best way to get in touch. That's the five companies. If you're sitting there thinking you'd love to help, maybe a few words from one of the mentors, Puya Kamvari, will encourage you to get involved. Hi Puya, thanks for joining us. Um, would you like to do a quick introduction? Hi, yes. Uh, thank you very much for having me. So I'm Puya Kamvari. Um, I am a, I'm an alumni of Homerton College um, and I founded a, a product called the Home Run app, which I've been working on for the last five years. Um, it has a social mission, an environmental mission, and it feeds particularly well into the Changemakers program. So when um, Saraya asked if I wanted to be involved, uh, it was a very easy yes. That's great to hear. I I think um, it's an easy yes. And also today, the presentations, I think we can all say they had heart to them. You know, they were really, really focused and passionate about what they were doing. Absolutely. And, um, you know, one of the things that that I'm very passionate about myself is that we can do business with a with one bottom line, which is profit that everyone seems to understand, but also have more bottom lines. So can we at the same time help society, help the environment? Um, and actually, I can even say that it was inspiring for me and I needed the lift today of, of hearing their stories because it kind of keeps you on the right track of, of, of believing that that's possible as well. So as a mentor today, uh, what were the kind of greatest insights from the mentoring sessions that you found? I think, again, you know, we're all kind of within our own prisms uh, of, of, of kind of the way we kind of perceive things. And I've done a startup myself, so I'm a few years ahead, but ultimately I've been on this journey. And I think it is the, it's the fact that there's so much passion in these projects and we don't want to remove that. However, what we do want to do as a mentor is to give them the tools uh, and the practicality to take this passion and take these ideas and speak the language that the business world requires to hear, fortunately or unfortunately, however you want to think. And I think we do need to change the business world as well. But to get their passion and ideas to be heard and understood, probably one of the insights gained, I think, for the whole program is that actually doing a social good and survive in the business world 
and it can be valued if you can translate it. And I think all of the speeches, all the presentations were amazingly inspiring. And I looked at them and I can think that they've all got a huge potential market, you know, if you want to talk, talk normal language. And I'm sure they'll, 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 they'll get there. So, so you mentioned you're a Homerton alumnus. Um, why do you think it's important to give your time up today and, and to give back to the students? And what would your advice be to other alumni that are listening to the show today? That's a really good question. And um, I may give a slightly controversial answer if I may. So, like, um, <laughs> Yeah, definitely. So I was actually a student here in 2014-15, so graduated 2015. And what I could say is then I didn't feel as strong a connection to Homerton as I do now. And one of the, one of the big reasons for that uh, is Changemakers. It's Lord Woolley and the mission that he's bringing to Homerton. That mission and the Changemakers mission is what has actually brought me back to Homerton. Ultimately, I don't think that anybody goes back and gives back to an institution because they were there. You know, we've all been lots of places in our lives. Yeah. Come back if it speaks to us today. And I think the Changemakers program is something that will speak to many alumni at Homerton. Um, and yeah, the message goes out to them and, and they'll want to give back to this as well, I'm sure. So having seen the presentations today, what's your overriding observation? So I think that we've all seen a wide breadth of, of presentations. And although they're all driven by a very strong social good and, and, and need, I think that we need to take the passion and the drive and the emotion behind these these ideas. And it's a very fine balance between getting them to be understood and translated to what is traditional business speak, what a VC may want to hear, but retain what retain the heart. So we neither want to make it very traditional, bottom line, profit, ROI. But we also have to have to have some of that in there. So I think that w what we've seen as a balance across these presentations is can, can, can these all reach that happy medium? And I think that's really what Changemakers is there to do, is retain the passion, retain the, the, the drive, retain the, the sense of revolution, but still be able to access traditional uh, finance and traditional mechanisms to grow. And now to the climax of the day. The announcement of the winner of the Ivan Baines Award. And to do that, we'd like to welcome onto the show, Rupert Baines. So Rupert, thanks for taking some time to speak to us on a very busy day for you. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and why you're an active mentor on the programme? So I'm Rupert, serial deep tech entrepreneur, been through a lot of startups, some successful, others less so. And I just really believe in mentoring. I believe in giving back. And there's an opportunity that some of my experience hopefully can share with other people and help them succeed in what they're doing. Can you now tell us a little bit about the Ivan Baines Prize? So Ivan was my son, tragically killed himself. And this is sort of a memorial or a legacy. He was the kind of person who would have made changes in the world. And so it seems only appropriate to use the Changemakers programme as a vehicle for that legacy. That's great. And I think you said in the, the presentation that you gave that we all have a responsibility to make things better. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I quoted the Margaret Mead speech about the only thing that makes a change is a small group of concerned citizens. The world has got its problems. Those need to be fixed. And the only way that's going to happen is if we all make the effort to make those changes and make the world a better place. 
That's great. And I think it will be a wonderful legacy um, for your son as well. And to even see what happens to these companies and these ideas as they move forward too. Thank you. Yes. So, Rupert, would you be able to announce who the winner of the Ivan Baines Prize is for the 2022 programme? So the winner is the Biophilic Institute. Various different reasons. I mean, although I come from a tech background, this is not a tech prize. And although we're talking to a tech audience, it's not about the technology within the company. I think a lot of those organisations will use technology, will leverage technology to make a difference, to make a success. And it's that difference that I was particularly motivated about. And so biophilic, focusing on schools, focusing on education. Ivan was a young man, having gone through school, seen the pressures on school kids, sixth formers. I think there's a lot of issues there. And the way Rosina was talking, the thing, the challenges she was identifying really resonated with me. It's the perfect example of change makers. Absolutely. It's the perfect example of change makers. So thanks again for taking the time to come on. It's a fabulous competition, amazing um, participants. Um, is there any last messages you'd like to leave uh, for the audience uh, around next year's programme? Well, thank you for inviting me. I think the, the message would be those of us in technology, we're often fascinated by technology and it becomes very easy to see the technology as an end in itself. But we should be thinking about where is it going and looking for ways that we can make things better. As I said, there's a responsibility on all of us and those of us in technology where we have that power and that ability, particularly how can we use that technology to make the world a better place. At the start of the morning, we heard from Lord Simon Woolley, and I want to repeat what he said. Here at Homerton, we have a plan. We want more than a degree. We want something else, something that has the ability to change the world. Our X factor is change makers. We want to equip you with values, integrity, honesty, be brilliant, but not at any price. We want to create the next generation of leaders with ethical ambition. Having spent the day with Homerton Changemakers, really just one of our programmes here in Cambridge, I've got no doubt that they will achieve that ambition. And I think for both of us, it's going to be really exciting to see how tech becomes part of these solutions. If you have heard anything that you think you'll be able to help with, then please do reach out to the projects or contact us and we'll make the connection. And we'll be back with a regular episode next Sunday. Today's show was produced by Carl Homer of Cambridge TV and supported by our media partner, Business Weekly. The Cambridge Tech Podcast is available on all major podcast platforms and on cambridgetechpodcast.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please give it a five-star review. It will really help others discover the show.